Good morning. Good to see everyone here this morning. I want to say a special thank you to Gerald Jacobs for sharing with us last week. Thank you so much, Gerald, for, for sharing what God led you to, and I really appreciate your willingness to do that. Well, we're going to continue the series that Gerald shared on last week uh, called Puzzled. And as we look through this, there's this idea that life is puzzling. Um, I have some puzzle pieces up here. I'm not going to make a puzzle. But um, how many of you enjoy making puzzles? How many of you do not like making puzzles? Is there anyone here who's never made a puzzle in their whole life? Finished it. Oh, you guys are all successful puzzle makers. Great. But life is puzzling, isn't it? Right? And we started with the idea that, um, you know, that, that... God reveals to us over time our puzzles and his puzzle. Uh, Last week, Gerald shared about the good soil and uh, that Jesus was revealing this puzzle about the kingdom of God and that all of us align in one of these four areas of soil and we have the opportunity to help make our soil rich so that we can produce fruit. And today we're going to talk about weeds. How many of you enjoy weeds? All right, not a lot of weed lovers in here this morning. So there's a lot of things that puzzle me. There's a lot of things that puzzle me. One thing that puzzles me is how could anyone be a Cowboys fan? That was a, that was a cheap joke, right? <laughs> but there are things that puzzle us, right? We came here this morning. Um, I can tell you for, for me as a pastor, and I'm reading the Bible a lot, and I'm thinking about Jesus and God a lot, something that puzzles me is forever. The idea of forever, that's a puzzling thing, isn't it? To think about eternity. It's it's really hard, the more you think about it, to wrap your mind around what that means. Um, I've been been fortunate to do quite a few funerals over my, my ministry career, and it's just a strange thing to deal with death and for eternity and, and the fact that this is such a small part of our existence. Something else that I'm puzzled by, maybe you're puzzled by it, is how is God judging us? How does this work? Um, there's, there's 7 billion people now. How, I'm not sure how many people have ever lived. This idea of judgment, this idea that, that God is judged, that is a hard thing to think about. That is a difficult thing to understand. It is a puzzle, right? And so this morning, my goal is that we've come here, we've gathered here for one, pers- one uh, purpose, and that pers- purpose, man, I am, that's rough. That purpose is to worship God and to hear from him. And then as we hear from him, to live out in obedience and faith, whatever he tells us. And so my prayer this morning as we go in and study this is that we would hear from God, that you individually would hear from God, that he would speak clearly to you and that we would understand and be able to apply it. And so the question this morning is, what is God teaching you? What is God teaching you? What has he taught you this week? What is he saying to you? Does he seem distant or close? Can you hear him? And so that's, that's where we're going to go. Um, we're going to look at the, the book of Matthew for that. But before we go there, I think it's so important to precede it with prayer. So if you pray with me, please. Father, thank you for these moments. Thank you for Sunday where we can come together and sing and read your words and give of ourselves and be together with, with other people in a community. Lord, we know that, that your will should be done here 
as it is in heaven. And we ask that to happen. We ask that the unity would be built within us. And Lord, as we look into your words, we are so thankful that you, you encouraged Matthew. You spoke into his heart. You spoke into his, his life. He heard from you, and he recorded these eyewitness things that he saw you say and do. And I pray, Lord, that as we read this and as we think about this, that you would feed us, that you would give us wisdom, that you would train us in these moments, um, and that we would understand it. And you would give us exactly what we need where we are so that we can continue to follow you in obedience. Lord, I pray that as we go through this, we would recognize our unbelievable need for your forgiveness, our unbelievable need for your grace, and that in it we see that forgiveness, we see that grace. Help us to embrace that and to understand the beauty of that. And Lord, I pray as we, as we talk about these things, um, and Lord, there's, there's things here that might distract us, there's things that might um, pull us away, help us to stay on this path together. And Lord, we look forward to the moment when the things we read and talk about become reality in future. Lord, bless these moments. Let your spirit speak to us now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start with verse 24. And what I'd like to help you do this morning and and throughout this series as we talk about this idea of a puzzle, um, it's good to have some tools to help you with the puzzle. Um, Because if you don't know the picture, if you don't have a reference point, it can be very difficult to understand things. And so what I'd like to do this morning is just give you a couple tools that might make it easier for you as you seek to understand the puzzling things that God has in this world and this life for you. This is the Exploring the Gospel of Matthew by John Phillips. It is a commentary. I would encourage you, if you have a time where you study God's word, that you find a commentary. With the internet now and with all the apps, there are so many commentaries out there that are available to us. And as we look at these words and as we study them, we really need to know what the hearer of the original hearer would have heard in the context of their culture and time, because that helps us to understand the teaching. And so uh, this is a wonderful tool to have. This is what I use when I preach. It is so helpful because it gives you another layer of information to help you to understand what God is teaching, what he is saying. But above any commentary, above anything, I think God's word is the point of reference. And I think before you read God's word, if, if it's a puzzle to you, maybe this book, the Bible, is a major puzzle to you. Um, you've tried to read it. You do a year plan. You've tried to invest in it. But it's just really puzzling the more you read it. I would encourage you, every time you read God's word, to ask him to reveal it to you. Let the Holy Spirit speak into your life. Let the Holy Spirit reveal things to you. Um, We're told that in many ways he is um, the point of reference. He is what opens our eyes. He is what opens our ears. And I recently purchased this Bible. It allows me to write notes in it. I would encourage you, if you have a question, how many of you have questions about the Bible, have questions about God, questions about the purposes of God, why God allows this, what is the purpose of this, why is this happening in the world? As you go through, what is this story about? What is God trying to teach me through this? I believe it is so important and so helpful to write that down, to journal it and say, today I have a question, because God doesn't expect us to understand everything we read as we read it. And so I would encourage you, get a notebook, get a Bible that allows it as you have questions, because what you do when you have a question is that you grow deeper, the more you allow God to saturate into you and teach you and reveal things to you, the more he reveals. And so a couple of tools this morning, pray. Have a commentary, have a place for notes, and then go to the scriptures and say, God, speak to me and show me truth. 
truth that I can understand, that I can apply to my life. And so as we do that, we look at Matthew chapter, 12, chapter 13, verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Just take a, a, a quick break there. Every one of these parables, which are stories that reveal a greater truth, they're about God's kingdom. He is revealing a mystery to us. He is revealing the biggest mystery is what is yet to come after this life, what the kingdom of God is all about. And not even what is yet to come, but what has already come, because we are told the kingdom is here. It was, we continue. But while everyone was sleeping, oh, sorry. Yes, while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. If you have a commentary, you look in and you see that there was a, there was a type of plant called a darnel that was very similar to wheat, and it wasn't until it actually matured that you could tell the difference. And darnel is actually a poisonous plant, and it is a weed, and it is destructive. And those that would have lived when Jesus was sharing the story, they would have understood that. They would have also understood the power and importance of a wheat field and how wheat had such an impact on life. And so as he's telling this parable, he's revealing things that they would understand, places they would get, things that they would have knowledge of. He says, the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, this is so important, do you want us to go and pull them up? Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you're pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Here's the story. An owner plants seeds. They begin to grow. A wheat field is, is in the making. Uh, while they were sleeping during the night, an enemy of the owner comes in, plants these weeds that look exactly the same as the wheat. And then over time, as the wheat grows and the weeds grow, the servants see what's happening and they ask the owner, what should we do? Do you want us to go pull up all the weeds? Do you want us to pull up the weeds? And he says, no, don't pull up the weeds. Because in doing so, and as, as farming and as those who have looked into this, the, the, uh, the, the, the system is built together. So as you pull one out, they all come out. The roots are connected. And so you would be pulling out good wheat with the weeds. And so he says, no, don't do that, because you'll pull up the good with the bad. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvester... First collect the weeds and tie them in a bundle to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it to my barn. And that's the story. Meets with a group of people. And he's talking to them. He tells them this story and he walks away. It's a little confusing, isn't it? It's a little puzzling. What is he talking about? At this time, it's very important to understand, nobody was thinking about heaven. Nobody was thinking about the afterlife. No one was thinking Jesus is talking about something bigger. They're all sitting there thinking, he's talking about Jerusalem. He's somehow talking about the future of this place where he's going to be the king. He's going to have the power. How is, what is he talking about? Right? And we know this because as we continue, if you go to verse 36, here's what happens. 
Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. His own disciples, the ones that follow him, the know him, the ones we know, the, the big names, they're kind of like, what were you talking about, Jesus? What was that whole weeds and wheat story about? That doesn't make any sense. What does that mean? Please tell us. Please explain it to us so that we can understand it. And so here's what he says. He answers, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. The enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom every that ca- everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. He shares this story with a group of people. They come back into a house. Disciples say, what are you talking about? And then Jesus reveals he's talking about something bigger than any of them could have ever imagined something bigger than any of them could have ever truly understood. And as you read this, if you were home, if you were in a, you know, at, at Starbucks, if you were just looking at your phone and you were reading through this on your own, what would you think? What would stick out to you? What would be your first thought? I know for me, it kind of jumps off the page This idea that there's judgment. This idea that that God is going to bring everything together and, man, this is rough. This is tough. This is scary. Right? This is big. If this is true, if this is true, think of the ramifications. If this is true, think about this. Because it's big. What Jesus revealed to them is not some uh, government, is not some uh, political institution, is not some earthly thing that is temporary, a hundred, couple hundred years at max. What he is talking about, think about this, is eternal, absolute, forever. That's tough, isn't it? And you could walk away and I could walk away and, and be a little discouraged, a little, well, I don't know what to do with that. That's overwhelming. What kind of God is that? What is this? What is Jesus doing? And that's where I would encourage you, the next tool that I think is so powerful, so helpful as you listen to God, and I hope he's speaking to you because these are his words, is to say this isn't just one point of reference. This, this is throughout the whole scripture. This is all the New Testament. There are other places where, we're, where God reveals even more about this story to us. And so I would encourage you as you read God's word, if you want to invest your life into something and you're investing it into God's word, a very helpful tool, something we call cross-referencing. 
Where else do we see a similar topic? Where else do we see a similar point? Where else do we see God uh, revealing a truth or Jesus talking about something? So I want to share with you, as I look at this verse, and I struggle with this eternal separation from God, and this is so important, so important, because um, you may be hearing fire and brimstone right now, right? But the truth is, is that in many ways, we reject God. He does not reject us. We push away from him. He does not push away from us. How do I know that? Because as I look and I cross-reference and I, and I say, God, I need to understand this, that you are love. Where, where does this all fit? 2 Peter 2.3 says, God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. God is patient with me, not wanting me to push him away not wanting me to resist him, not wanting me to walk away from him. Luke 19.10 says, Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came to earth seeking us. Jesus came to earth seeking those that would receive him. Jesus came to earth desiring for us to be wheat and not to be chaff, not to be a weed. He has come into the world that we may be wheat, that you and I may be wheat that produces something that reflects him, that produces a fruit that he uses, that he draws back to himself and to his barn. But if I don't, if I don't know the whole story, if I just look at this one part, I, I, I may get into this place where I get distracted. Micah 6, 8 says this, what does the Lord require of you? O man, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. This is what God requires of me. This is what he's asking of me. This is what he desires of me. To act justly. If he requires me to be just, wouldn't in turn require him to be just. Can I be more just than God? Can you be more just than God? He says, what does the Lord require of me? What does God desire for me? To love justice. When I see injustice, I am to do something about it. I'm to care about people and, and to care that, that, they're, that people are valued, that justice matters. What does the Lord require of me? To to seek justice, to love mercy, not like mercy, not date mercy, but to love mercy. That mercy is this element he wants me, when someone does something to me that is wrong, he asks me to forgive that person. When someone does something to me that is unjust, I am to forgive that person. Am I more just than God? Am I more merciful than God? Absolutely not. Why? Because it's relational. He says, so that you can walk humbly, so you will understand that I have offered this relationship to you. You know what's interesting is I was thinking, like, what's a, what's a visual picture? What's an idea here? The visual that comes to me is the sun. My location to the sun allows me to interact with the sun. I can get tan the more sun I'm in. I can get very cold in my relationship to the sun. It's all my placement. It's all my relationship to it. 
Do you see that God is inviting us into personal relationship with him? And if I resist that, then it is me choosing my judgment. It is me choosing it. This is the beautiful thing. The last cross-reference that I use here is 1 Samuel 16, 7. And he's talking that, he says, man looks on the outward. If I was to judge you today, all I could do is base it on your outward. I have no idea what your heart is. I have no idea what your mind is. I have no idea what you think. I have no idea what, your, what, what motivates you. All I know is what I can see. But God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart of all of us. He knows my heart. That makes him the true just judge. That makes him the true arbitrator. He's the one who knows. You see, I struggle, and maybe you struggle with this, and I've seen this a lot. It's really easy. It's really easy to overlook my own issues and see clearly everybody else's issues, right? For some reason, I don't know why that sin is, but I don't know. Isn't it easier to see everyone else's problems? Why are they doing that? How could they be so foolish? What is the problem? Why would they do such a dumb thing, right? It is so easy for us to do that. But the truth is, when I read this parable, and it's this amazing thing that God reveals so many different things in it, he's basically saying, stop trying to judge everybody around you. I will deal with that. It is your heart that I am looking at. You don't save yourself. You actually do the opposite. You give yourself. You, you say, I surrender. I can't do this. I am unable. Because naturally, I like to judge people. I like to be a hypocrite. Right? This is an amazing thing. As I walk away from this, and, and I use this cross-reference, and I pray, and, and I use this commentary, where it leads me to is this. It leads me to the point that what I do in this life really matters because there's an eternity to come. What you think of the next life will impact how you live this life, right? What you think of what yet is yet to come will deeply impact of how you live right now. And according to this parable that Jesus revealed to his disciples, he's talking about an eternal state. And secondly, he says... I should not be as concerned about the weeds that I perceive because they may not be weeds because I cannot see the heart and I cannot see the motives and I cannot see why someone does what they do. And so what should I do? What should we do in light of this parable, in light of these truths? Here is my suggestion. Let's focus on being wheat and leave the weeds to God. He's the just judge. He is the merciful judge. He is the true judge. Let's leave the weeds to him to determine. And let us focus on growing as wheat. Let us focus on growing as wheat. What are you doing in your life right now to allow God to produce wheat in you? 
We grow by hearing. We grow by seeing. And he shows us and he reveals. He does not hide. He seeks after us. And this morning, you could probably read that parable a hundred times and learn a hundred new things. But one thing I've learned, one thing I've learned is I don't have to worry about judging the people around me or condemning everybody, but I need to focus on the wheat that God is making me, the wheat that God is building in me, the wheat that he desires me to be. And in doing so, I know that one day he's gonna gather me unto himself. I don't know when that is, but I know that it's greater than anything I've ever experienced. It'll be greater than anything I will ever experience in this life. To be in that type of relationship, that eternal relationship with the Father. And so my question this morning, we read this parable. We have all these tools. We can have all this knowledge. But what really matters is what is God saying to you right now? What is God speaking into your life? Does that thing that you've been stressing out about really matter that much in light of eternity? Does that thing that's been overwhelming, that thing that you've been desiring, that thing that's been in front of you, how does it contrast to forever? Have we been more focused on the weeds and not focused enough on our own wheat growth. Let's pray. Father, you plant the seeds and that is amazing. And Lord, when we think about this truth and we think that you didn't hide it and that today, 2,000 years after you spoke it, we're reading it and talking about it and digesting it and seeing it in so many different ways and so many things are being revealed. But Lord, here, you're telling us that there's something bigger than this life and there's more to life than, than what we see. And, and Lord, sometimes we get distracted by, by looking at others instead of looking at you. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us Wherever we're at, help us. And Lord, if there's someone here right now, they would say they, they don't really feel like they're wheat. They don't know you, they don't trust you, they don't, they don't hear you. Lord, I pray that they would be open to you right now. I pray that they would be willing to say yes as you knock on their heart. Lord, help us all to focus on what you're doing with us and to have patience and love and grace for the people around us. Lord, give us guidance and wisdom. Give us discernment. Help us to live these things out so that we can be truly your disciples. Lord, I pray this in your name, the name that saves, Jesus our Savior. Amen. This morning, if, if the Lord has talked to you directly and you just want to talk to someone about it, you want to pray about it, you've never really made a decision for Christ or this is confusing, it's a puzzle to you and you'd like to learn more, 
I would love to talk to you. We have staff that would love to meet with you. We have people that would love to build a relationship to help you in the life that God's given you. If you're just at a place this morning and you feel frustrated, you feel like, man, there's a lot of things that have been distracting me and I just need to refocus. But we want to pray with you and walk beside you as well. And so as we sing, if you want to share a time of prayer with me, I'll be at the cross. If, if you want to talk to someone later this week, if you just want to connect, you can go to our website, you can come to the church, you can call the church, but don't miss these opportunities.